And that is why we will turn our attention now to the question of how do I know that I'm hearing God's voice? And our way of answering that question will be to look at various ways that God communicates to his children and with us. But before we're going to jump in that, I want to remind us of our theme verse. Because out of this this theme verse, we get our purpose for this series. And it is from John 15 verse 5 where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It would be awesome if we could memorize that one for this series. That by the end of the series, we know it off by heart. That we can say, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And Because I believe in, in this theme verse, we, are, we see so many hints. And Jesus tells us exactly how we will know. Of course, that we are in him, that we remain in him. And that's what we're going to look at. Now, before we get started with today's message, I just want to pray for us and just ask for God's help in this teaching. So, yeah, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for such a glorious day. Lord, it is amazing that we can live, that we can breathe, and that we can enjoy your goodness And Lord, thank you that we can utilize everything that you've given to us to come and sit at your feet and come and listen. Father, I come and ask now in Jesus' name, by your Spirit, come and speak. Speak through your written word and come and make it alive to us, Lord. Make it a living word in us that changes us, that transforms us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Your message title is... Knowing God's ways of speaking. And we are going to look mainly at two points. And at the end, we will have a listening prayer practicum. The first point will be, we're going to look at two kinds of words through Scripture. Secondly, whose voice am I listening to? We're going to try and answer that question. And then, lastly, our listening prayer practicum. Now, on the first point, the two kinds of words God speaks through Scripture. The most important way we can discern God's voice and hear Him is through His Word. I've emphasized that over and over and over again. But the manner in which the Bible speaks to people is different. The reason for this, I believe, is because we see that There are two ways that Scripture speaks. Firstly, I want to submit to you that it speaks to everyone universally. The whole Bible universally speaks to the whole of creation, all of humanity. And secondly, it also speaks to us personally. It speaks to us personally on an individual level. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Firstly, universally... The whole Bible is true, is perfect, Holy Spirit inspired from Genesis to Revelation and gives us the universal answer to life's ultimate question. 
Is there a God? How can I know him? And does he know me? It's actually ultimate questions, okay? But it's universally and absolutely true for everyone, whether people believe it or not, whether people are aware of it or not. Because it is the written word, which in Greek is logos. That's the logos word. Secondly, personally, by this I mean that the Bible meets every single person where they are at, personally. And what God wants to do through the written word by his spirit is to speak a living word, which is referred to in the Greek as rhema, a living word into the believer's heart in order that the written word will become a revelation that leads to transformation. Remember last week I said the problem is not information. That's, a, that's actually our biggest problem. We have too much information in this day and age that we live in. Okay, it always feels like we, we don't know enough, even though there's so much access to, to info. But the, the issue is, in the believer's life, is what leads to transformation is revelation. The revelation that God brings through His Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, let me point us towards two scriptures that talk about this living word, where the Greek word rhema is used. The first example is out of Matthew 4. And the situation is where Jesus is led by the Spirit of God into the desert. And he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And he is tempted by Satan. Satan then tells Jesus, listen, if you truly are the Son of God. He brings into question what God has already spoken. It's that voice again that we see in the Garden of Eden. It's that serpent saying, listen, did God really say this? So it's a voice coming to Jesus saying, are you really the son of God? Because if you are, tell these stones to turn into bread. But listen to Jesus' answer here. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word. And the Greek for that is rhema. That comes from the mouth of God. And what that word rhema means is it's a living word. It's a spoken word. It's a, it's a voice that is a still small voice, actually, that speaks to you and makes the word of God alive. John 15 verse 7 is the same word that is used, rhema. There it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. We get a clue here of what Jesus means in John 15 verse 5, where he says, if you remain in me. It's his words. It's his living words. If they remain in us, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, to illustrate this, to make this a little bit more understandable, I want to quickly use this illustration. Before Jean and I moved down to Squamish from Williams Lake in the interior, right about 2015, the year 2015 and 16, I really had the sense and stirring in my, my spirit that God was preparing us to to move. I, I had this sense and this calling for church planting. I had this crazy idea of doing it through a coffee shop ministry set up, and I went for a church planting assessment. And the guy said, yeah, we don't know about this idea. You've got to find a church that does what you want to do. 
And so after a long period of time that I was praying and waiting and looking, I came across the Rock Church and Squamish and the Ledge. And so by the end of 2017, after a long process of of little encouragements and confirmations, we made the decision that's what we were going to do. We were going to move. But it wasn't easy. We made that decision. There were still doubts in my mind about it. And then God spoke a verse into my heart out of Isaiah 50 verse 7. I don't have it up there, but the verse says, Because the sovereign sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Now, if you just go read that verse out of context and just take that for yourself, that can be very dangerous, okay? At least I was reading it on my Bible plan, and it was at that exact point that I was at in my plan. But it stood out for me. It leaped up from, if I could say it in in such a way, from the page into my heart. And at that moment, I felt the spirit prompt that I needed to journal on what God wanted to speak to my heart about this. And what I wrote down is that God was encouraging me to say, you're going to have to set your face like flint, like a a cold stone, very focused. It might even seem to people as if you're insensitive and not paying attention to their counsel because at that stage, there were many voices. There were people that were saying, listen, we're not sure what you're doing here. And that is what I felt God speak into my heart about it. And I had to hold it close to my heart, but I had to have it open hands. I had to say, okay, I'm going to have to test this because, (laughs) okay, this this is a tricky word. I can't go and just speak this to everyone. And so at the end of this message, I will share with you in conclusion what had happened with that word. But that is an example of how I had seen it happen in my life. But the question in the end is, how do I in the end know that it was of God. I will share that with you in the end. But under this first point, I want to just make this, this main, share this main idea. The, the, the whole idea under the first point of God speaking through his word universally and then personally through a, a Logos word being revealed to us, illuminated by the Holy Spirit to become a living word in us, is that it is in order that we will bear fruit, as John 15 verse 5 says. If the living word changes us, that's going to change our actions. It's not just a theoretical knowledge. It's not just historical, but it is actually true. So we will only truly live if the words of Jesus really become alive and are alive to us in our lives. Okay, so that's the first point. Now, the big question, of course, that we're looking at today is the question of whose voice am I listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? And I forgot to encourage you with this, that if you're making notes, sometimes we run through the scripture uh, or the verses uh, a little bit quick. Just dot down what the the reference is for that scripture and and go back to it. And especially when we're going to look at the various sources of voices in our lives. Okay, now the first question there, or the the main question, whose voice am I listening to, is a very important question. Like I said, because people might say, you're just making this up in your mind. 
But I want to look at a situation in Matthew 16 again, where we see this play out in the life of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. And the, the context is, of course, and I, I use this scripture or that passage last week as well, because it is the situation where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he asks them, so who do the people say I am? And they give all kinds of answers. They say, well, some people say you are, uh, you are Elijah, you are the prophet. And he asks them, well, who do you say I am? And Peter responds and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. We know, of course, Jesus then tells Peter, well, you are Peter, you are the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And Jesus, what he means by that is he's going to build his church on the revelation that God gave Peter, because he says, Peter, this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father. So Jesus places the emphasis on its revelation that is needed to build his church. But very interestingly, right after that situation, Jesus tells the disciples he's going to die on the cross. And then we read there in verse 22 and 23, Peter's response. It says there, Peter took Jesus aside, him aside, began to rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Isn't that fascinating? Just a couple of verses back, same situation, same context. Jesus says, Peter, you have heard, of, you have heard from God. <laughs> it's clear. And then, not long after that, get behind me, Satan. You know, what did Jesus mean by that? Was he saying that Peter was possessed by Satan? Was he saying that Peter was Satan? Well, clearly not. I don't believe that. But I believe what we see in this passage is something that is referred to, and, and it's an idea by John Piper, who calls it sacred schizophrenia. Listen to what John Piper says. He says, The Christian life will be lived in a state of condition brought about by the Holy Spirit that is characterized by the coexistence of contradictory and incompatible elements. A coexistence of, of things in your life that it's like it's incompatible, but it's there. It is the fact that on the one hand, you have to deal with the truth that there is a part of yourself which is the self that has to be denied. And then there is the other part of yourself that has to deny do you hear what he's saying there? It is the situation of what Jesus talks about directly after that verse in verse 24. Jesus told the disciples this. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what Piper is saying is that is the reality of the Christian life. It is what Jesus says. It, in, in, it basically means that there's always going to be a part of yourself that has to deny and a part that has to be denied. 
Now, how does that work? You see, in Peter's situation, he acted on an impulse that was focused not on the kingdom of God in that situation. It was a, on the self, and it is what we could refer to as like a sinful or the, the, the flesh reaction. He was not concerned about what Jesus was saying or aware of the fact that Jesus was prophesying or just confirming what Isaiah 53 was saying. And what, what he was actually telling Peter, Jesus at this stage, if I can paraphrase it, is stop it, Peter. You are talking from your own sinful desires that does not seek the will of God. Now, how many of us can relate to Peter in this situation? Like, I mean, Peter was doing a good thing here, if you think about it. Jesus is talking about the fact that, yeah, you're right, Peter, I am the Messiah. And so he's confirming for Peter that this is the promise that God had made from, from millennia past. And he wants to protect the Messiah because all of a sudden he hears this, this ruler, this king is going to die. So it seems like a good thing that he wants to do. But is it a God thing? And I have to ask myself that many times with the ideas that I have and the desires that I have. I have to go and measure it and say, wow, is this concerned for the kingdom of God? Am I want, what I'm wanting to do, what I, what I want to see happen, is this for the kingdom of the light or is it for the kingdom of darkness? Now, to help us understand this, for those of you that love tables, if you're very left brain oriented, I'm a right brain oriented person. Maybe you're going to love this next bit because I have a table. Sorry for the folks that are here with us. I will share this with you afterwards. I don't have it on the screen for you. But we have various sources of voices that I want to reflect on. And this is what I can gather from what I have, you know, read through material and the Bible, first and foremost. So it's not the all and be all, but I want to submit this idea to us that you have got internal sources and external sources of voices. And then you have to go and you can categorize those sources as either coming from the kingdom of light or for the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. Now you will see there on screen, those of you that are watching online, the internal voice that's in the kingdom of light is what the Bible calls the new creation. It's an internal voice. And your scripture reference there is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 that says, If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. It's a new self. It is what Jesus talked about when he spoke to Nicodemus and he said, You need to be born again. It's your spirit that was dead. Because of sin, that is made alive now. And that new creation can bring forth new desires. A new heart will bring forth new desires. Okay? Uh, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's, it's that same thing where Jesus says, Listen, if you remain in me, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish... And it will be given to you. It's because your, your heart is transformed. It is from a place of there's a new creation, new desires. Okay, That's the internal voice. That's an internal source of the kingdom of light. 
but it's fueled primarily by the external voice that comes from God through the Bible and the Holy Spirit. First and foremost. Then secondly, what I put up there is the other ways that then God then speaks is of course through people. That's your second external source that's part of the kingdom of light. It's people such as in Acts 2 verse 42. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So teachers and preachers. God speaks through preachers and teachers. Um, Ephesians 4.12 where you've got apostles, prophets, evangelists. Where am I missing? Shepherds and teachers. Okay. God has given people to the church to instruct the church, build up the church by the written word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I put up there 1 Corinthians 12. There are speaking gifts there that are there to build up the church. Prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, tongues that are interpreted. And then after that, you've got other examples. I'm just going to glance over them. You, I, will, I will post this table maybe uh, onto our website at the end again, and then you can go and look at it. For yourself. But nature or natural law in Romans 1, verse 8 to 18 to 20, Paul talks about the fact that the wrath of God is revealed through creation, and, and what people can know about God has been made plainly to them through their consci consciousness or conscience and nature, but they suppress the truth. There's promptings that can come from the Spirit such as we've seen in Acts 8, verse 26, where Philip has this prompting by the Holy Spirit, and he actually hears the Spirit speak to him and says, go to that chariot. There are dreams and pictures. We see that in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 3, where you've got the visions that Cornelius has of a, an angel, and then Peter has a vision of all the various different kinds of foods that were forbidden initially. And, and that is a message that God gives to Peter about the gospel message that's going to go to the Gentiles. Those that were initially excluded. Other external ways are through open and closed doors. And I put there doors, just uh, a, a general word for doors. But sometimes you have a prompting to explore a new opportunity. And you pray for an open door. Like in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, where Paul says, A great door for effective work has been opened for me. And I've heard some guy say this once, a pastor say, Sometimes God gives you an opportunity and there's a closed door. And you have to kick that door down by the Spirit of God. So sometimes that happens too. But it's, it's, it's mainly fueled by confirmations. That God has given us that, hey, this is the right direction to go. A seventh one I put there as an external source of the kingdom of the light is pain and suffering. We see the apostle Paul, he's calling in Acts 9 verse 16. Jesus says, I want to show him how much he must suffer for my name. And we know that the apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know if that was a physical, literal thorn in the flesh, like a, a physical ailment. But we know that he asked God many times to take it away. And he heard God speak to that pain and said, my grace is sufficient for you. 
And the last one I want to put up there, angels. Well, I don't know what the last time was that you saw an angel, but Hebrews 1.14 says something very interesting. It says, Are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We see angels still at work in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. And so those are internal and external sources of voices that are part of the kingdom of the light. Now, there's, of course, a kingdom of darkness. Internally, this is the struggle. This is what we see happen with Peter. There is a, an old self. If you have repented and given your life to Jesus, you've asked forgiveness for your sins, you trust in him to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, Yes, you're a new creation, but there's still the old self that needs to be denied, as Jesus says. Romans 7 talks about this, and the Apostle Paul refers to this in the, the verses 21 to 25 of chapter 7, that it's the tug of war. Like, I know on the one hand what the good thing is to do, but I find this other law at work in me as well. There's the sin that's right there. But the main point at the end of that is he, he asks the question, so what a wretched man I am. Who will save me of this? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. But we have to be aware that there is that, that voice that can be fueled internally by the sinful nature and evil desires. I, I put up there, Evil desires. James 1 verse 14. James 1 verse 14, James writes, he says, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. Now, the internal sinful nature or voice is fueled and, of course, tempted by the works of Satan and demons. We see an example of that in Acts 5 verse 3, where Ananias and Sapphira... It is said to them by Peter, Satan has filled your hearts. And the way that it's done is through temptations, ideas that are proposed to us. An example of a temptation is in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. Paul writes there to married couples. He says, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you. So in other words, we, we face this battle that Paul also talks about in Ephesians 6. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the air, the forces of darkness that are at work. Now, there are many ways through which Satan does that, okay? But I, I wanted to give you that table to understand how it can happen that, yes, like Peter, you can have a revelation of God, but then at the very next moment you hear and you think you hear something or say something, and it's actually not fueled by the Word of God. It's not a revelation. And to answer that main question then of how do I know if I'm hearing God is, well, you have to ask yourself, what is your fuel? What is it that, that needs to be fed most? If you are in Christ and you are a new creation, a new self, listen, what is your diet consisting of? Because 
that new self, what you hear in your spirit, will largely depend on how much you're taking in from the word of God. That is very important. And then we see in John 15 verse 5, Jesus says, If my living words remain in you, you will bear good fruit. So the fruit will show it. The fruit will show it. Another golden rule I want to just share with you there. Um, the one pastor, Ray Dirksen, uh, from Southland Church in Steinbeck, Manitoba, he always says this, is if what you're hearing, if God is calling you to do something and there's a lot of skin in the game for you. In other words, it's, it's mainly going to be, you, you have to go and discern, is it for your benefit or who else is affected by this? But the more skin in the game, the more people who are affected by what you're hearing, the more confirmation you need. The more you need to trust and say, okay, but God, like I, I need you to help me show me these steps that I need to take. Now, I want to conclude today with this. I want to take you back to that example that I gave to you of what happened in my life before we moved to Squamish and the, the confirmations that came. But that verse that I felt God give me out of Isaiah 50 verse 7, where he whispered into my heart, you're going to have to set your face like flint. In 2018, in March, Jean and and myself, we traveled with Miriam, our daughter. She was two months old to South Africa. And there I went the one day for a quick coffee with a, a friend of mine who's a pastor. And we're not super close friends. We, we've never been in touch that much. But for some reason, I felt prompted to go and have a coffee with him. And so we had coffee. He shared with me what was happening in his church plant. And then I gave him all of our details of you know, what had happened, how we moved to Canada, we're in Williams Lake, now making the decision to move to Squamish and what the reasons for that was. And he looked at me and he listened and he said, well, Rudy, it sounds like you're going to have to set your face like flint. And when he said that, all of a sudden, I remembered what God had spoken through that verse into my heart. And I, and I asked him again, what did you just say? And he said, yeah, this passage in Isaiah 50 where it says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be put to shame, but I've set my face like flint. And in that moment, I just knew that this was a moment that God was using to once again make that living word that he had spoken to me to confirm it. An encouragement to say, you're on the right track, go. And I want to end off by asking, you this morning. Is God whispering into your heart something new? Is he, is he calling you for something more than what you're currently being satisfied with? Because I want to submit to you, if, if you're not most satisfied in God, then you have not truly experienced true satisfaction. Because he is, he is speaking. He wants, to, he wants to encourage you on a day-to-day -day basis. And that is 
That is what we're going to do here today. We're going to spend some time next to listen to God's words that he wants to speak to us through journaling. And we're going to do that mainly, of course, trusting that he has a personal word of encouragement that he wants to, to give us. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to explain to you how we're going to spend our time in journaling here. Um, and then we're going to play some instrumental music and we'll spend three or so minutes, maybe longer, five minutes to journal. There we are at home and here with us at the ledge as well. But firstly, uh, Daryl can put this up. What you're going to do first is remember we start first approaching God with thanksgiving and praise. So the first thing that you're going to do when you journal is to thank God for who he is. Just thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his grace and his love. Okay? That's the first thing. Secondly, and you can write down this question. We'll put it up there for some time. Those of you that can't see the screen, this is the question. Ask God the following. Jesus revealed to me in what way have I been listening to the wrong voice? A voice that makes me doubt your goodness. Jesus revealed to me in what way I have been listening to the wrong voice. A voice that makes me doubt your goodness. That is, that's the question we're going to meditate on and, and, and see what God reveals to you. Okay, if you've written that question down, what happens after that, you, you're going to journal, listen, and then whatever God's re revealing to your heart, what the Holy Spirit is bringing to your remembrance, it's an opportunity then for us to respond with this, with repentance. Ask God to forgive you. And it can look like that. I put up there, R for Rudy, Lord, forgive me for the way that I have been spending too much time on my phone or whatever it is that God brings to your remembrance. Okay. So that's the third step. And after that, changing your ways, I want us to ask God to reveal to us how much or how, sorry, how he wants you to include him in your everyday life. So the question is, show me how you want me to change so that I can hear your voice louder in my life. Show me how you want me to change so that I can hear your voice louder in my life. If you want to dot that question down. If you had any doubt whether or not you're hearing from God and you, you felt like maybe what you hear is inflated by, you know, a narcissistic personality disorder, I got to tell you, no narcissist is going to hear a voice that calls them out and says, listen, these are things that you, <laughs> that you need to repent of. This is a great exercise 
Because we're always in need of hearing God's voice to repent, right? An example there that I'm going to put up for you that Daryl is going to throw up there quickly is I put it there, Father, show me how you want me to change. And I just started down there. An example is, Rudy, will you put your phone away in the morning when you read your Bible? Will you make my voice the only voice you hear at the start of each new day? That's something that God had recently just spoken uh, to me about. Okay. We're going to play that music. We're going to spend some time with the Lord. And when we come back, we will uh, give you some homework. And then we are going to worship. Okay. Enjoy it. Um, 